Moko. This is the battle you must fight. I don't deserve your tears, my little witch. I've missed you. Save me from the endless darkness, like you will do for the world. We'll meet again in the Sea of Data somewhere, someday. Leo, I can trust you on this, right? And welcome back to the Footy Dashi podcast. I am, as always, Nicholas, and I'm here with Lauren, your other co-host. <laughs> we are co-hosting together this time, as we always do. I don't really know where I was going with that. Anyway, no, so sometimes we... we don't co-host; we just host <laughs> each other. You know, this time we're really we are each we are each individually hosting separate podcasts that happen to just be layered on top of each other seamlessly. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're usually doing, but this time we're doing it together. For real. <laughs> um, so we were having a conversation, or it's more like I was having a conversation at Lauren. This is usually what happens. It's like, you know, we show up to record and Lauren is ha- having a great time and I'm usually annoyed by something. And so what I'm annoyed yeah, by... I like- I like hearing what you're annoyed by. I mean, getting that getting that out, right? Usually I just talk to developers and we're all annoyed about something, but it's dev shit. You know, this time yeah. it's like consumer shit. And I love that. I love that. I love all the shit, really. But yeah. All in this shit case, is what are you <laughs> what are you annoyed by? Okay, so um for those of you who aren't aware, um Lauren and I are still in the throes of working on sort of like a I guess a a kind of theoretical game design curriculum. And in the process of putting this together, I have been doing a lot of research and a lot of various aspects of game design, the games industry, um, user experience, you know, the whole gamut. And recently I've been doing some casual research about the mobile games market. And what fascinates me about mobile games, one, that it's a, a distinct category, even though like most of the mobile games that are like popular are just like ports from other platforms. So there's that issue. Um, but additionally, the fact that like mobile games are almost like conceptually separate in most people's minds from what they consider to be video games. In other words, most people will put together, say, like PC games and console games into sort of like one conceptual framework. But for a whole host of reasons, mobile games or games for mobile platforms so you know we're talking your your tablets your smartphones just your devices that don't and also the screen in front of the yeah. screen when you're watching netflix on the tv that's the screen <laughs> that you're looking at exactly yeah so for whatever reason games that happen on those screens seem to be less conceptually relevant to quote-unquote video games than 
the games that happen on this, the other screen that you're looking at. And yeah, so and what I was yeah. talking to Nicholas about really quickly was just to say, like, to kind of give his, you know, annoyance a little more credence is that when you're in development, you have this, even this difference in the Bay Area between a mobile game developer yeah. and a AAA console game developer. And I want you to take note that I said a AAA console game developer, because that is not to say that the developers in mobile aren't in AAA. But when you're talking about getting hired or what your skill sets are, mobile and AAA and heavy yeah. scare quotes are very different skills. And it's not that it's triple A because um, I really, as I got really like excited and also annoyed at like, I haven't heard of this game. It's crazy. <laughs> and we'll get into that. Yeah. But it was like triple A is a sure bang buck. And if you want to make a sure bang buck, you should invest in mobile because apparently mobile is like the true triple quad just ah, just, Qu just a Quint couple odd. Yeah, like we're we're in like the 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 twelve times. Like there are hundreds of A's because yeah, so there are a hundred of A's. <laughs> so anyway, I just wanted to bring that up as from a developer standpoint is that when we make games, we think of making games for PC or for console. We don't even include Mac in there, which is terrible because I love Mac. And so for us to say we're making something on mobile is usually it comes down to we're going to port it on mobile right? Yeah. Not, can you play it on mobile? And I just yeah. think that that is, especially after looking at these numbers Nicholas is going to get into, I think that's bullshit, not the good shit. So Nicholas, take us yeah. away. Okay. So in my research, one of the things that I, I didn't discover this, other people have known this for a while, but it's more like I finally had to integrate it into my own conceptual framework, which is that the mobile market is mass, like orders of magnitude larger than all other game, video game markets. And so, for example, the the current number one game in the world, in fact, like the number probably no, number like one, numbers one through seven in terms of like size of the player base in the entire world, pretty much all mobile games. And so, the example that I, I pointed out to Lauren is a, is a game that she had never heard of, uh, Garena Free Fire, which, as far as it, as games go, like it's not really like doing anything particularly new or interesting it's a really well designed game but it is functionally sort of like your fortnite slash PUBG style like battle royale game and in fact for those of you who have played a uh, free fire you'll probably be like okay wait this almost looks exactly like PUBG because it's not that different and one of the reasons why it's so much larger is because of the fact that it's much more popular in asia than it is in europe or you know north or south america but also when you think about it what is the one video game platform that nowadays pretty much everybody owns? And it's a phone. And so most people don't think of their phones as a video game platform, but it is. Like, In fact, it's not just a, a secondary video game platform. It's really a primary one. And, then, and that's one of the things that I want to sort of think through with Lauren today is like, what if we thought about those second screens that we have as the primary video game medium rather than this sort of like add-on? Yeah, it's a tough question. I mean, it's hard because so much of our development has been entrenched in, you know, the way we've done things. And this is what we talk about when we're saying we're designing a new game design curriculum because a lot of academia studies the past, right? Yeah. To say like, what have we learned so that maybe we can do something in the future, blah, 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 blah. But like academia does a bad job of studying the now. And so in vain of that, right? Like, how do we want to study the now? I am blown away by Garena Free Fire and that they have 80 million daily active users. That means that 80 million people 
have gone into this experience, right? And are saying, I want to play this battle royale game for free, right? But also that means there's microtransactions in it probably. Yeah, And they're all over. And if it is more popular in East Asia, this gives a lot more, I don't want to say credence, um, because that's not like the right word, but it's very interesting because China's policy. So if, okay, so we're going to go a little into history and and studying the now is that a couple weeks ago, maybe it was last week. No, it was definitely a couple weeks ago. Okay. A couple (laughs) weeks ago, China had this policy that we talked about where they're limiting the amount of gaming hours that it's, um, that it's uh, teenagers can play. So it's like only between like for anyone who's under the age of 18, you can only play like an hour every night of online gaming. And the way that they're tracking that is they're tracking it, I think through the IP address. But every time you log into that game, you have your like real name, your real address and your like real ID. Like there's like a number associated with that. That's how they're going to track it. But when I was thinking of this legislation, I wasn't thinking of mobile. I was only thinking of these big imported games like Fortnite, like League of Legends, like, um, uh, my gosh, what's a bigger one? I guess Overwatch, right? Yeah. I was thinking of these imported titles into China. And from that perspective, the perspective of the West and as a Western developer, I was like, oh my gosh, like that's ridiculous. But now it occurs to me, like, let's look at Garena Free Fire. If that legislation is actually only against these imported titles and PC gaming, and there's actually no way to track it on mobile, right? Is the legislation itself not actually limiting the number of online hours those consumers can play? Like, and I, I bring that up because in vain of the, or in the frame of the question of how would we develop, right? Yeah. Like we are developing games for the PlayStation, PlayStations or for like the Xbox or for PC, right? Or Mac. Like you, you are making these games for things that usually have huge hardware. But when yep. you're developing something for mobile, usually you go, well, there's a hardware constraint, so it can't be as good. But looking at Green of Free Fire, I'm like, wait, that's just as good. And if Fortnite can exist on mobile, right, then other yeah. like these, if Genshin Impact can exist on mobile, right? Like there's honestly mobile has the hardware. Kind of a- well, yes, because for for a couple of reasons, and it's it's something that actually Nintendo figured out a long time ago, which is that like the smaller the the number one problem that you have in terms of like processing in any game, so w- whether it's through your GPU or your CPU, is resolution. And so the thing is, when you're talking about playing a console game, you know, on your giant like television screen, or if you're talking about playing, you know a PC game, the the resolution actually needs to be quite high in order to have a certain degree of graphic fidelity in terms of like what you visually perceive. But the resolution of a phone, and even of just say like an iPad, is much, much smaller. And so the thing is, the hardware doesn't actually need to be as good. Like you can actually use what would be considered, I mean, well, one, the, the hardware that actually goes into say like, you know, the current generation of iPhones is, like would blow away any PC made like five years ago. Yeah. <laughs> so so there's I know, that. I know that because <laughs> yeah. my PC was made six years ago <laughs> and it did not want to work on Friday. And so my lovely SO came over and we took the battery out and we put the battery back in and then it started charging again. And I was like, bless. So hopefully, <laughs> right? <laughs> So, so, so there is the fact that like, so hardware for smartphones has improved astronomically just even within the past 10 years. But in addition to that, like the, the hardware constraints 
that are imposed by so so like what the the game needs to be able to do is less precisely because the resolution that it has to like get to is much smaller so there are certain advantages when it comes to mobile games so like literally the fact that like you're holding it right up against your face as opposed to say like you know looking at a screen that's like so for example i'm sitting at my pc right now and my monitor is about like two feet away from my face or if i'm playing on my you know a console on my tv it's you know 10 12 feet away from me so the thing is but in order to get a degree of graphic fidelity at that difference you need to have much higher resolutions whereas you don't need that with a tablet or with a phone now there are sort of like problems with that in terms of like exposing yourself to that much blue light because that is bad um but it means that from the the standpoint of developers you actually have a degree of um freedom when it comes to what you can get away with precisely because the graphic fidelity doesn't have to be as good. Yeah, so I think from a purely theoretical standpoint, that's true. But I'll have to say that practically when I have developed for mobile, the hardest thing that you have conceptually in the the game design space is yeah. I need a controller. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. that's that's what you think of. And lo and behold, uh, I'm in Daiso the other day and there are like three dollar, right? So Daiso is a uh, Japanese, like uh, it's a department Japan, store, technically. Yeah, it's like a one dollar store. Yeah, and in America, it's a dollar fifty or like three dollars. Like it depends on price. Well, even in, just, even in Japan, even in they're Japan. not actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're not really like yakuins. Yeah, and what it winds up happening is they have they they have this device now that's like H, uh, not H Mart, uh, Daiso's leveling up your gaming experience get controllers and like gloves for your thumbs for the mobile gaming experience. And yeah. I was laughing like, oh man, like that's got to be really popular. And then turns out I get an ad in my inbox from Razer for thumb mittens so that you can control your- th Oh yeah, the little thimble things. Yeah. Little thimble, yeah, the little thimbles. Oh my gosh, does anybody know what a thimble is? Like, no, but you know what a thimble is for your <laughs> iPhone. Um, yeah. But no, but this is really important, right? Is that conceptually in the game design space, we are so used to having things on the controller, right? And in first person shooters, you're so used to having things right on the mouse and keyboard. And I say yeah. you are and so used to, to narrow in the particular type of developer that is usually developing these experiences in yeah. America, particularly, right? Yeah. Now, I came from console, so I do not do mouse and keyboard, but that doesn't mean that I can't mouse and keyboard in an MMO. Right. Where then I would go, how do you even controller that? You see? Yeah. So at a high level, game designers are looking at these problems. And mobile, if you've never worked in mobile, is like this mystical wizard of Oz <laughs> beyond the veil. Yeah. Like, oh, I got to I mean, I obviously should put the joysticks on the screen so that everybody knows where to go to, like, control the experience. Yeah. Um, oh, the iPhone should tilt because it's got gyroscopic. So I should use that for motion, which is like the worst thing you can do for your wrists. Yeah. Um, you know, oh, I'll just point and click and drag and they'll like go that way. I I, I know it's like funny and, and maybe like, I, I don't know, I'm laughing inside because these are all of the things that I did in my like very small mobile game project. Yeah. To try to just make something, uh, just to try to make a 2D like isometric platformer. Yeah. Right. Or like, but it was more top down. So it was more like, I don't know, old sands of Persia or like, anyway. Well, and the thing that, is, yeah, so go ahead. Uh, if you're. No, my, my only point is all that to say, like conceptually, it is hard to develop a game on mobile as a game designer because the constraints are so foreign because it is so new. 
And so you'll see a lot of things like Fortnite is on mobile. And I actually haven't played it on mobile. I have played it on the PC. Yeah. Just just, just cuz that's an example as a developer in the West like you should get Fortnite on mobile so that you can see what the youth are playing you. <laughs> um, the youngins. The youngins. Yeah, anyway, that that's my point. I kind of like ran out of steam there at the end. So I'm still kind of grappling with it. The, the, so the the control piece is is really important not just from the production side but also from the UX from the user experience side because there there was a conceptual shift. So this is what I've learned recently. There was a conceptual shift in thinking about how to do controls on mobile devices. So for mobile devices, I'm going to speak specifically about phones because actually sometimes the controls are different depending on the type of mobile device. Like, so for example, iPad controls can sometimes be different from iPhone controls. And I think the developers who do it really well are the ones who are sort of thinking in between mobile and console. So in the early days of so-called mobile games, in fact, I'm going to say so-called because there is kind of an arbitrary conceptual distinction here. But if you think about the, the, you know, the, you know, sort of the really popular early games like you know, Plants vs. Zombies or Angry Birds, like those games use a control mechanism that is or a set of control mechanics that are sort of very specific to mobile devices. And one of the reasons so like Plants vs. Zombies ported okay to the pc because you can click fairly effectively but like the, the, the like touching it like touching and dragging was sort of like the conceptual framework in which people thought of like okay well that's how it's going to have to work because that's how you do like most other things in various other apps that are not games on these devices but over time developers started to realize that you could actually conceive of controls as a kind of hud and having that overlay instead of having like, so in other words, when you think about a console, the control mechanism, in other words, the device, is fundamentally separate from the display mechanism. Whereas in the case of you know mobile games, they, they can't, I mean, it's easy, it's much easier to have the control mechanism and the display mechanism be seamless with each other. And so what they, what they realized is that like, okay, well, there's already a thing that we do in video games that kind of like helps us with this. And that's, you know, heads up displays, you know, overlays. And so instead of using the overlay merely to communicate information, maybe we can use the overlay as the control mechanism. And so the thing is, that's how they developed really sophisticated. So for example, like it's really easy to do an analog stick uh, using an overlay system. And it's and so then all you really need is like an analog, If in most games really just require like an analog stick and a couple of buttons. It's, so it's it's easy to conceptually display an analog stick on yes. a HUD on a mobile device. It is definitely not yeah, it's not easy, easy to, imp to, to implement. To implement that. Yeah, sorry, that's what I meant. But in, I meant, f sorry. Yeah, I, I knew I exactly of, I what you meant. I just I was, wanted to clarify for all of the people that may yeah. be in game development listening here that, yeah. that Nicholas is saying, look, it's easy to think of joystick, put joystick on thing. Like that is yeah. a very easy concept. I would know I made that mistake in my first <laughs> mobile game ever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we did it, okay? We did it. Yeah. We did it. Eight weeks, we did it. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Is that so so like, okay, I know I mentioned UX, but all of these comments so far are specifically from the UX perspective. Cause because the sort of the the platform itself is relatively new, you know, like smartphones are not that old. Like they 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 don't smartphones even smartphones as a major gaming device are not, very not that old. Smartphones saying, yeah. themselves are yeah. not that old. 
Okay. Yeah. That was like what, 2003? Yeah, that's what I'm saying is that they're they are this millennium. They're not yeah. the previous millennium at all. Whereas like PCs and consoles all have like ancient histories that go yeah, well. Yeah, but what I'm trying the, to say, yeah. what I want to emphasize that though, is that smartphones are not that old, 2003. Yeah. But smartphones as a gaming platform are even youthfuller. Like that was like, you know, yeah, like you'd have it's small like 2008, games like Bejeweled yeah. or Pinball, yeah. right? But like it took to 2009, 2010 for people to go, oh, there is a real physical game, right, yeah. on my phone. And so the thing is from, so Lauren is correct. Like the implementation of a, say like an analog stick as a, as a control mechanism on a phone, like actually is extremely complicated. But also you have to realize that like, the the control mechanisms that were used back in like the 70s and 80s like it took people a really long time to figure out how to do that but once it was established once like there were clear protocols for how to do it then it's easy to reproduce in other games so that's the point that we're at right now is we're at the point where like it's still in sort of like the development process but it is now getting to the point where that particular like control system is becoming kind of established and once it's established it'll be much easier for developers to simply like reproduce the sorts of things that others have already done but the implementation is still at this point quite difficult to achieve and so the thing is so there are still games that use the, the sort of the older conceptualization of how controls again from a ux pr perspective the older conceptualization of controls so like you know match three games you know lauren mentioned bejeweled but there's like a bazillion match three games now or games like fruit ninja or candy crush like they still use that older conception of like how controls are supposed to work but the reason why this shift in terms of control is really important is because it means now mobile can be part of the cross-platform mix in other words if you can conceptualize controls in a way that is amenable to consoles that's amenable to pc then you can no longer compartmentalize mobile as this as lauren said this thing beyond the veil yeah, no, and I think that that's kind of the, that hits the nail, like, on the target, right? Or that hits, like, the bullseye. I don't know, for me. Nail that on the head point. is the idiom you nail were looking for. Yeah. We'll figure it out. Um, no, for me, that really, like, marks the point, because I'm just going to use every idiom today. Yeah, just mix that's all the of them. actual. <laughs> I like that. Welcome to the Mixed Metaphor Podcast. <laughs> so welcome to the Mixed Metaphor Podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Ash. I know every idiom, apparently, but can't say them all at the same time. Um, I think for me, what really hits it is that when we look at developing the future of games as a service or games as a platform, right? Like yeah. we're not looking at it as something that is only on one console. Crossplay has to exist. And there's actually a very popular franchise where crossplay had never existed that finally just is starting to do that. And that's Destiny 2. Yeah. Destiny 2 has been a long held model in the game development world uh, and probably in the consumer world, right? Is something that is a first person shooter, MMO, semi-RPG, um, or like has those elements. It's a loot shooter, right? It, it yeah. created this genre because it's a shooter where you get loot things because they couldn't say MMO FPS. I don't know. Um, whatever. Well, well, it's like why do like action platforming games? Why are they all called Metroidvania? It's just arbitrary. yeah. Why? It, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's yeah. just a you know an arbitrary like genre moniker. Yeah. And I think for me, like Destiny Two, though, finally is getting crossplay. I think it got crossplay like a week ago or in September of 2021 for any of our listeners in the future listening very far 
you know, in 2022, <laughs> um, or are listening in the, the past somehow that that fell through. That's um, strange, yeah. That would be strange. But hey, if you're listening in the past, today is September in 2012. If you're listening uh, in the past, it, invest, invest in Garena Free Fire because it's the yes, biggest Yes, if you are listening in the past, invest in Garena Free Fire. Depending on how far in the past you are, McDonald's, Apple, okay, very good, Pixar. Um, oh, Tencent before 2021, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so like, you know, around 2017, Tencent. Don't uh, buy Alibaba. Uh, in the past, Moderna would also be a really good investment. Oh, Moderna would be a great investment, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't don't ask us why. Just for the past, you know, live it up, live it up. Go to every outdoor venue. Uh, okay, tangent yeah. aside. Uh, gosh, where were we? We were talking about Garena Free Fire. Oh, so um, you, you were you were talking about the. Oh, so we had gotten onto the subject of how everything now has to be conceptualized as cross-platform, and you were talking about Destiny Two. Oh. Everything has to be cross-platform. You talk about Destiny 2 because Destiny 2 wasn't cross-platform and still was incredibly successful, Yeah. right? Now, that's great, and most games could be that way. But when you look at truly accessible and really, like, growing communities, like Overwatch, Final Fantasy, I think Overwatch is cross-platform now. Yes. Um, basically, every game that has come out needs to support cross-platform because if it doesn't, especially in today's like economic world, players are not going to be able to afford a PlayStation and an Xbox and a Switch and a PC and a Mac, like who, who knows what, right? To be able to actually and articulately cross-platform versus a genre that really did this well because just nature of the genre were right, previous MMOs. They were either always cross-platform because it's a, place, it's a PC yeah, or entails like... Um, uh, like in Final Fantasy fourteen, they like once they got the PlayStation Four, I think they were immediately cross platform. Like they spent a lot of money into that. So I think, uh, if I remember correctly, Final Fantasy fourteen was originally also on PS three, and then it went to and then PS4, it just transferred yeah. to yeah. PS four. Yeah, like yeah. no, because it's been around a long time, and so yeah. I was like, I think it was on was on the thing before the PS four, but I didn't want to say that. What is the th who knows um, what the thing before? Yeah, the PS4 who knows PS three. PS Veda? No, 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 that was a handheld. Um, uh, like the Vita offshoot. Yeah, yeah, the PSP Vita, yeah. Yeah. That would be real. Um, actually, that would be weird to play. That would be, yeah, it would be weird to play. But I mean, I played like seven on it, so, or like all the seven spinoffs. Yeah. Um, what I would say is like, so I am bringing up all these titles though, because from a game development standpoint, you kind of have to look at all of the other titles and you see what your comp competitors are doing. Yeah. If you were to launch a game now that wasn't cross-platform and is a large, massive multiplayer online experience, like I think it would just be a joke, right? As a consumer, yeah. as a gamer, you'd be like, what? I am not going to buy your Xbox so I can play this game. The one like lone studio mega publisher corporation that's somehow getting away with this and is getting away with it specifically for single player titles is Sony, you see? And Sony has yeah. a lot of platform exclusives and specifically a lot of platform exclusive development studios. So in a world where there's the single player experience, right, versus yeah. the multiplayer experience, I'm really excited for mobile to be considered an equal if not a more widely accessible platform as a developer because now in a multiplayer experience we're just opening up right the floodgates for how many people can achieve it yeah 
Well, I think it will definitely mobile will definitely become at, at a bare minimum a point of origination. So the thing, so we talked earlier about how like mobile was has always been conceived of as like something onto which to port existing titles, but we are now starting to see a situation where portal <laughs> titles are being ported from mobile platforms. And so since we're talking about MMOs, and also because it's my daughter is constantly talking about it. Um, so, for example, Sky was a mo- MMO that was originally only mobile and only recently became available for Switch. And and I'd, there, there are varying reasons why it, it hasn't like gone on to like Xbox or PlayStation. In, in PlayStation. in PlayStation's case, it's because Sony has really, really weird rules when it comes to sort of like indie developers and how indie developers get on their... They're very their mar- weird yeah. rules. So, but setting that aside, we can talk about that some other time. But the thing is, is like the sky is a good example of a game where now mobile is not just like the hanger on, it's actually like setting the trend. Because the thing is like uh, that game company originally would develop games primarily for like console and for PC. And now they're realizing that like their primary demographic, which tends to be much younger, like their prime, they, a lot of them have mobile devices. They, they have iPads, they have phones, a lot of them. And well, so a lot if, of it yeah. comes down to the economics of my child needs a phone and every phone is a smartphone. So I have to buy my child a phone. So I know where my child is and that's the parent. Right? Yeah. I don't have to buy I don't my, do that child with my kid, I find that a really PlayStation. Creepy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're like i find it very creepy my kid can do whatever they want yeah i know uh, it, it creeps me so like uh so parent chat for so this is this is the parent segment um uh, a friend of mine a couple of years ago was showing me this like really amazing thing that she had gotten her kid which were like these watches that they can wear and then she was showing me how like then she would bring up the app on her phone it's like i can see where they are at all times and i just looked at her and i was like that's fucking insane. <laughs> I would never even occur to me to. Anyway, sorry. Parent chat ended. All right. Back to gaming <laughs> chat. <laughs> uh, but what I would say is like, so everyone in the youth, like you grew up, if you did not grow up with a phone, um, I did not grow up with a phone. I got no. a phone in like middle or high school or something when phones were, I do need to know where my child is because I was involved in so many activities. It was more like, tell me where you are and I will pick you up. And yeah. then I would call them and be like, I am here now, pick me up, right? Yeah. Or don't pick me up or worry because I'm on my way, right? That's the, the mobile devices for calling people. If you didn't realize that was the original really? intention of a mobile device. I'm pretty sure it's you You play podcasts on it. I don't I don't know what phone. How, yeah, how personally, t- I Pokemon <laughs> Go. I, I don't know, right? Um, yeah. Or take pictures, right? It's just a camera, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so there's this, this multi-use device now. And since every child has this and all kids love to play games right? Any game that is hot that you can get into the kid's hands, right? It's going to be great. Exactly. And yeah. Sky is an awesome example because now that Sky is on Switch, I started it on my iPad, but I'm actually never on my iPad. I tried to get it on my phone and I just was running out of space. So I had to get rid of it. And then now it's on Switch and I can go, okay, perfect. I can play it on Switch. Yeah. But what that means is it opens up to people like me who have a Switch, I can play it. So you're actually having like, we'll call us the olds, right the people with the consoles and like can afford the high-end pcs right can play but now they are playing with like children and i think 10 years ago people used to laugh especially like in the fps communities because it would be like oh i'm getting like owned by a six-year-old right well that six-year-old is now 16 years old okay and they've been playing the game you were playing when you started at 16 right yeah which means that when they're 26 right and 36 (laughs) and 46 they will have had a decade right? Decades 
half more like their entire life playing, I guess, FPS shooters and playing on mobile devices, yeah. playing on PC, maybe yeah. playing on the console at a friend's house. Like the way that we interface and control these technologies is not going to be limited to maybe like the hardware, but to our social circle. Right. Yeah. And also, you know, the lack lack of an interface, so to speak. Well, it, the, the social circle point is extremely important. And I want to focus on that for a moment because we're running out of time in this episode. Because going all the way back to sort of like the Ur, like portable gaming device, the Game Boy. Now, I know this because I, I taught in my, one of my classes about the history of the Game Boy and specifically for po- and about Pokemon on the Game Boy. Because Nintendo conceived of that device not just as like, you know, a convenient thing, but a social thing. The whole reason why they like developed it with so the reason why Pokemon was developed with the link cable specifically in mind is because the idea is that like kids are going to be around each other, they're going to be socializing, and the game and the device are going to be a means through which they can socialize with one another. And phones can serve a similar function because they are something that is sort of always on your person because we're addicted. That means though that like when people are in meat space with each other again in the future who knows when that will be <laughs> but when they're with with each other like you have this gaming platform literally in your pocket and it can once again like the game boy become a means through which kids or even adults socialize with one another and i think that's really powerful and i think that's not just like Oh, and I'm not trying to be like, you know, one of these like futurists who's like all tech is great because I'm actually the exact opposite. I'm kind of a Luddite. But the thing is like that idea, that idea that goes all the way back to the earliest portable like uh, gaming platforms is still there in the mobile device in the way in which developers are thinking about how to use mobile devices and mobile games. And I can tell you now, as a futurist who does love all technology <laughs> and will one day have that, you know, earwig that also projects AR devices so that I know where I am going at all times in a the Dallas Love Field Airport or whatever. <laughs> um, I absolutely think that this is going to be the way that developers need to think in the future. Because if developers do not think about mobile and they only think about their console and their PC markets and that core target market of a shooter, right? Because say you're trying to make another Garena Free Fire, yeah. right? Or another PUBG. You're going to fail because 80 million daily active users want to play on their mobile device. Yeah, And that is 80 million people that are invested in that game. So where are the other billions of people invested somewhere else? And so Lauren always ends on the greatest points. So I think I'm going to cut things off right there. I want to thank you all for listening and remind you that we have our Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash footydashi. We said it was footydashi pod last time, but that's actually wrong. It's just footydashi. Um, and in our Patreon episode, which we will be recording shortly, we're going to talk more about like the kinds of games that you see on mobile platforms and maybe sort of like what affordances that exist there. So if you want to hear that, you're going to have to sign up. We've got lots of other great content, plenty of you know previous Patreon episodes, and we hope to see you there. 